Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Buying a property is one thing, operating it is another. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important aspects of owning real estate, and that's property management. It's the key to profitable investing. And we've got a great guest on the Real Estate Guys radio program. The Real Estate Guys are throwing a party and you're invited. Join Russ and I at the New Orleans Investment Conference, October 25th through 28th. Now in its 43rd year, it's the nation's longest-running investment conference and features some of the biggest names in economics and investing, including Robert Kiyosaki, Chris Martinson, Peter Schiff, and many, many more. The Real Estate Guys are speaking in three different sessions and attending lots of others, and we're hosting a hospitality suite one of the evenings for our friends and listeners, including some VIPs for you to mingle with. So make plans today to join the Real Estate Guys at the New Orleans Investment Conference. With everything going on in the world, no serious investor can afford to miss it. Send an email to New Orleans Party at realestateguysradio.com and we'll get you all the details. That's New Orleans Party at realestateguysradio.com and we'll see you in New Orleans. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. You know, the glamorous part of real estate is finding the deal, picking a market, getting out there, kicking the dirt, going through a bunch of stuff and the numbers and going, man, this is the property I want. But when all the dust settles, at the end of the day, what really provides return is one of the unsung heroes of our business, probably the most important and least respected person in the whole food chain, the property manager. Well, I mean, it's because we forget what we're really here to do. We talk all the time about being focused and knowing what you're focused on. The business of being a real estate investor or really acquiring wealth of any kind is to accumulate the efforts of others. And so it's not the property that makes you money. It's the tenant that makes you money. And when the tenant gets up every day and goes to work for someone somewhere and produces an income, they typically send you about 30% of their income to live in your house yep. or your property. And so if you realize that it isn't the property that's making you money, it's the tenant and the function in your model that makes the tenant happy is the property manager, that's the most important person on your team. You bet it is. That's the person that interacts directly with the money. And so today, we're going to talk about some of the aspects that you need to think about. And really, for most of us, we're not going to be hands-on property managers. Now, when you start out, it may be that you buy a little rental house and it's near where you live and you manage it yourself. That's certainly a possibility. The problem with that is there's a point at which it probably won't be possible anymore for you. Hopefully, you'll have so much real estate in your portfolio that you wouldn't even have the time in the day to manage it all. So eventually, you get to the point where you're going to outsource management. Now, this is true whether we're talking about commercial property, residential property, resort property, virtually any kind of property, self-storage, assisted living, whatever it is, there's going to be a management component. Most of what we'll talk about today will be residential oriented, but these same principles are going to apply to whatever kind of property you have. It's the fact that you need an arm's length professional to handle the financial part of your property for you. It's not an automatic, and I think a lot of people think it is. I'll just buy the property and it'll just automatically spit off cash flow. Right. It's like the idea you go buy a car and it'll just automatically always keep running, but it's not that way. You've got to maintain it. And your mechanic ought to be your best friend because you've got a big investment in that car. You rely upon it to do whatever you purchased it to do, take you back and forth to work, make deliveries, take care of your kids, whatever it is you purchase that vehicle for. And if you don't take care of it, if you don't maintain it, you are eventually going to have a degradation of 
quality and service. And so it's the same thing in your property. And the person who's responsible for that is, again, your property manager. Now, there's lots of different ways property managers work. So there's very, very hands-on where you don't do anything other than hand the keys to your manager and they do everything. And then there's the, well, I've got a property manager, but I make sure I vet the tenants myself or I actually go collect the rent myself, but I've got someone I can call, right? There's all kinds of gradients of that. And, and that's up to you to figure out as part of your ownership philosophy of property. At some point, it probably makes sense for you to outsource most of it. But you, what you've got to be able to do is to manage the manager. And the other part of it is too, is you're building a business. Real estate investing is a business, whether you're part-time or full-time, whether you're syndicating or just investing in your own account. At the end of the day, you're running a business and there are vital functions in every business. And if you want to grow your business, and I think most people who take the time to listen to a show like this are interested in growing, then the important thing is to make sure that every vital function in your business is scalable. And if you're involved, you by definition are not scalable. Right. You only have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. You probably have other things that you are demanding your time and attention and focus and all that. So if you're going to be involved, then there's two things you need to do. Number one, you need to make sure whatever aspect you're involved in is scalable, meaning you have some plan for when you aren't available or you're at capacity. You also need to make sure that if you are part of the team and you're relying upon the property manager or a third party to do part of the function, and you're going to do part of the function, just like you were talking about, Robert, that you don't hang your other people up. The other thing is, is to make sure that when you do decide to rely upon somebody, that they're scalable, that they have a plan for growth. Because if you put somebody in a position of responsibility, and let's say, for example, your machinery and your, your real estate investing business is such that you are going to go out and be in acquisition mode. I'm going to go find the deals. I'm going to get the financing arranged. I'm going to strategically pick the market, the neighborhood, whatever, and I'm going to add properties to my property manager's portfolio. I need to make sure that every time I put some more on his plate or her plate, that I don't cause a reduction in attention to the assets that are already on their plate. That's a, such a critical point. In fact, on our field trips, one of the questions you often talk about is a critical question to ask a property manager, and that is, what kind of an asset can I put in your portfolio that will be a win for both of us. Yeah, you want to hit them right in their sweet spot. You know, people specialize in the property management arena. You wouldn't take a single family home to a guy who specializes in managing hotels. You wouldn't take a hotel to a guy that specializes in managing self-storage. I mean, they, they're, they're different niches. And so you have to, you know, that's kind of obvious. You got to make sure you get the match made. But the other important question is who supports you and how? I mean, if, if all of a sudden I brought 10 properties to you, Mr. Property Manager, could you handle that? If all of a sudden your mother got sick or your wife or husband got sick or your kids got sick or you had some personal crisis, what happens to my properties? I mean, I care about you as a human being and I'm going to be gracious, but at the same time, I've got these very important assets and my customers, the tenants that are going to need attention. So what does that support structure look like? We saw this exact thing happen in a market we were very active in. We had a great property manager. Loved this guy. He was great. He was hands-on. He owned property himself. So he understood. He had his own tenants. He managed a lot of properties. But we started pointing to him. And before you knew it, he became overwhelmed. And he did not have the scalability that you talked about. What he had was a great system as long as he only had 40 or 50 houses. As soon as he had 200 houses, he totally imploded. So it's not that we're saying you have to hire a big behemoth management company. You just need to make sure the person you do hire 
has a plan. Well, let's put it this way. If you were going to travel from here to the moon in a spaceship, would you want to have only one source of oxygen or would you want redundant life support systems? I think that second one sounds better. Yeah, redundant life support systems. Cash flow is oxygen in any business. And if you're financed or if you're leveraged, which you probably should be in your property portfolio, you got loans. If you have a disruption in cash flow, you're dying. You don't last long with negative cash flow. So It's very important that in the critical function of property management and revenue generation from your asset, the cash flow, that you have redundancy. If the redundancy doesn't exist in the property management firm, create it yourself. You might have two or three sole proprietors, but make sure that they understand they're part of a team, your team, and that even though they might look at themselves as competitors, In your world, they're not competitors. One guy manages some of your properties. Another guy manages some of your other properties. And at the end of the day, you know you've got a backup, somebody to call on. And everybody should feel like if you do it right, that it's in their best interest. Because now your regular property manager can take a day off, can can get sick. Can, can have a family event and know that you've got that thing covered. They should be responsible for that, but sometimes they're not and you have to be responsible for it. So the point is just be aware that this is a critical function. You're going to want to have redundancies for these critical functions. You're going to have to create it if your property management team can't do it for you. Now, I want to go back to another point that we were talking about and the idea of who supports you and how that is great. But before that, this idea that rather than go out, find a market, buy a property, and then look for a property manager who then says, oh my gosh, why did you buy that? The idea of asking your property manager, what can I put in your portfolio that makes sense for both of us is I've identified a market. I like the basic area. I like what the market is telling me from a demographic point of view, affordability point of view, a lot of tenants in the marketplace. Before I pick a property, go to the property manager and say, I'm thinking about getting a three, two, around this price range. They will have gold for you when it comes to the nuances of what's in demand, specifically sub-markets and sub-neighborhoods. And they'll be able to point you to some great stuff that even maybe your real estate agent can't. Well, sure, because they're living in the street. They know where the demand is. They know where the applications are coming from. They know what they look like. They know if the number of applications is growing. If they're not, when people come in, what type of floor plans, neighborhoods, configurations they want to have. They know all that and they know it in real time. When you go to look at your research and you look at statistics, you're looking in the rearview mirror. You're looking at what happened, which is an important point on the curve. But it doesn't tell you what's happening right now. The people who have their thumb on the pulse of the street right now are the people who are handling tenants right now in today's world. They're fielding the phone calls. They're taking the applications. They're dealing with the problems. They can tell when a neighborhood is deteriorating, beginning to shift. You won't see that from a distance. And by the time you find out that you need to maybe move out of that neighborhood because it's not giving you the kind of future that you were looking for because neighborhoods change, your property manager is going to be the first person that sees that. And they're also going to know when a neighborhood is beginning to shift the other way Yep. because they're going to be able to see, for example, when an area is beginning to get more demand and people are beginning to get priced out and the good tenants... The working class folks that kind of paid that middle of the road rent or maybe the lower middle of the road rent, but good quality people, good working class people all of a sudden can't afford to live where they were living. They're going to start moving into other areas that are more affordable. Those areas might be a little rougher when that migration starts, but as it continues, they will eventually bring the quality up and you can be at the front end of that curve if you're paying attention to what your property manager is telling you. 
We're talking about property management, the key to profitable investing today. We've got some strategies, some ideas, and a great guest before we're done. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe, CEO of Paradigm Life. Wall Street and banks spend billions of dollars per year in advertising with the goal to convince you that they are the solution. But take a look around. None of their advice has worked. If you're listening to this, odds are pretty good that you're already a real estate investor or at least becoming one. So why do you do it? Is it to hedge inflation, the tax benefits, or maybe it's to get your money away from Wall Street? It's because of these benefits and so many more that I created the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. When you combine successful real estate investing with the Perpetual Wealth Strategy, you have the recipe for what has helped the wealthy to establish their financial well-being for decades. You can download the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy today by clicking the Resources tab on the Real Estate Guys Radio homepage. Don't wait. Go download it now. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're talking about one of the most critical functions when it comes to your real estate team, and that's your property manager. And again, that can vary. If you buy a single family house, there's companies and people that work on those types of properties. If you buy a small apartment building, that's another type of management. If you have a large apartment complex, you'll have some office type management and some on-site management. If you buy a retail or industrial property, it'll look different. If you have a hospitality property, it's all different. But the basis is this. There's two things most property managers are responsible for. Number one is helping you find and vet and place a tenant. And that's a whole area we'll discuss. And number two is the continued support and appreciation of that great client of yours, otherwise known as your tenant. And making sure that the property is being kept up to speed. Both the tenant and the property have to be taken care of. And for that, they'll typically receive a fee. What do they charge? Well, there's no exact answer to that. It's like saying how long is a piece of string. It completely depends. Property managers generally charge something to place the tenant, the first part of the equation, and something as an ongoing part of servicing you and your tenant. So the first part is they got to place the tenant. So that may mean they're going to market the property and maybe not just your property, but a bunch of properties. They're going to have websites and digital marketing and social media and ads, and, and they'll have a page in the local for rent magazine 
magazine and all those things they do to get interested parties in. Then they're going to go through a process to vet those people, make sure that they're worthy of staying in your beautiful rental property. And then they're going to go through the process of credit check and all that kind of stuff. So the financial part, they've got to show the property. There's a lot there in that stage. You know, there's a couple schools of thought. There's one school of thought that says you need to establish what your policies are going to be and they implement them for you. And then there's the other school of thought, uh, which is probably a little bit more along my thinking, is pick the right person and let them do their job. Yeah. You know, because they know, you know, you may say, well, I only want people with great credit. And they will say, well, that's fine. But everybody with great credit is not what's applying. If you want your property full, you're going to have to be a little more flexible. I don't want any pets. Yeah, but everybody who has pets is really where the demand is, you know, and I don't want kids or what. I mean, you can't say that, but you know what I'm saying? Let the property manager help you starting with what we were talking about before the break about uh, looking at where the property is and what kind of property and neighborhood and all that, but also the tenant and the demographic. The property manager is the one that's got to deal with that. And the other thing, Robert, you brought up that I think is important is you talked about the marketing of the property. You know, marketing is changing a lot oh, yeah. right now because of social media, which is great because if you do it right, you can bring costs down. So when you look at your relationship with your property manager, one of the things you want to make sure is that expenses and compensation, revenue generation to you and to them, they're all aligned, meaning that they make money when you make money. They may have their own ideas about what their model should look like. You have to ask yourself, does this incentivize them to do things that are in my best interest and their best interest, or are their best interest at odds with my best interest based on the financial motivation? You know, if you're going to spend your time being expert at something, be expert in the business model of the property manager and the financial motivation of whether they're on your side or they're not on your side. So let's talk about that. What is their motivation? They want to get nice, paying, happy tenants with good jobs that stay a long time in your unit so that they can collect that monthly amount. It might be 3%, 10%, 30%, depending on the type of property. Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, 3% is way too low. Well, no, many industrial buildings and big retail strip centers have those kind of numbers. You may be saying 30% is too high. Well, no, overnight accommodations, things that are like hotels and resorts, they have 30 40 50%. So it's not about the amount. It's about how does that expense compare to your return? You don't want to shop for a property manager based on price, but there's a couple of things they're after. They're after that recurring revenue, just like you are. So you're aligned in that point of view. Now, what about acquiring the tenant? Well, typically your property manager might say, well, we charge a full month's rent as our fee to put a tenant in your property and we guarantee that tenant for a year. Now, they can't really guarantee the tenant, but what that typically means is if for some reason the tenant signs a lease but moves out in the middle of the night, they will replace that tenant at no additional charge. Yeah. Sometimes it's a half a month's rent. But what you want to make sure is that they don't have a big incentive to move new people in all the time, to churn your unit. So make sure that the incentive is mostly in the monthly. We had a property manager in a big market who decided in his infinite wisdom as his company was growing, I don't know if you'll probably remember this, that he was going to have a $100 minimum charge whether or not the unit was full. And we said, absolutely not. You should only get paid as the property manager if there's someone in the unit. You should have the same incentive I do, and I'm happy to pay you to get me a great tenant, and I'm happy to pay you every month as they stay and you help satisfy their needs. What I'm not willing to do is to take all the risk and be out a hundred bucks or 50 bucks or 10 bucks when the place is empty. It just doesn't make sense. We talked through it and his, his reason for doing it made a lot of sense to him 
as soon as he bounced it off of a couple of his clients, it was very clear that that dog wasn't going to hunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody negotiates from their own perspective. A good negotiator will understand the other person's perspective and look to get a win-win. You need to be aware of what their wants, needs, desires, goals, and objectives are as far as their business goes. And you want to be supportive of that. That's why I say, let the guy or gal do their job. Don't tell them how to do their job. Just hold them accountable to doing it. Well, that's a big part, the accountability part, because often there are hidden profit centers in the property management business. This isn't all bad, but you just need to understand it. One of the big debates, and we'll ask our guests about this, is do you hire a property manager with in-house repairs? Also known as fixed overhead. (laughs) Well, yeah, but we go lots of great managers that here's their argument. Hey, I've got a team that I can put on that job this minute. I've got someone on my payroll. They don't answer to other people. I don't have to wait five days or five weeks to get their best effort. I can send them in a truck right to Home Depot, pick out what needs to be done and have it fixed this afternoon. The challenge and your joke about the overhead is that if I've got guys sitting around not doing anything, there's the perhaps tendency to go, hey, go out to that property over there on Main Street and fix something, right? We need you to be busy. Yeah, well, we need to invoice the the owner so that we can create some revenue to pay your salary. Right. Where the other philosophy is, no, we're not going to do that. Instead, when we need something, we'll outsource it. So you're not paying any of it overhead. Now, our guest is a pretty masterful property manager. So we're going to ask him about his take on that. But that's just a, a question for you to ask the manager and then follow it up with the most important question. Well, why do you do it that way? Yeah. That's what you want to understand. And they may have a good argument for it. So, but there are costs. Now, typically most property managers are going to have some sort of upcharge. If they have to hire a third party contractor to fix the AC and it's in a state, several states away from you, so you're not going to go do it, then they're going to take the bill and they're going to upcharge it by 10% or 15% or 5%. And that might be perfectly reasonable. They've got costs and arranging all of that. They've got payroll they've got to meet. Just make sure you know about it. If there's any other sources of income, you want to make sure that it's transparent to you. Yeah, because if you understand their model, then you can begin to look for clues that maybe you're being abused. And, you know, you assume that someone's good until they give you a reason to think otherwise. If they have a bad reputation, they don't come highly referred or they can't show you some type of a track record, maybe you don't even want to engage them in the beginning. But once you have, and you've gone through that process and you feel like, okay, this person has the potential to be pretty good, then especially if you get them, if you engage them before you've selected the property and they help you select the property, they have a high motivation to perform because they're the ones that helped you pick the property and they've tenanted it. So I'm a big fan of that too. But the point is you need to understand their model And their motivations to both be on your side and potentially to not be on your side. So you know when you should dig a little bit deeper. Well, I think this also dovetails into this important concept that I just mentioned earlier, but it's this. The last way you ever want to pick a property manager is by price. Don't pick the cheapest property manager because here's the thing. There's got to be enough meat on the bone for them to have the incentive and the resources to get up every day and do a great job for you. If you whittle their fee down through your expert negotiating skills, you might talk yourself out of return. If I'm your property manager and I've got 100 units and they're all paying me 8% and you've talked me down to 7%, when I wake up in the morning and I say, who am I going to really get excited about working for? 
It's not you. You're the exactly. last person on the list. And having said that, you don't want to overpay for property management either. So just make sure you understand the value proposition. So I have one other quick comment on that because the tendency when you have a really, really great tenant and they're in there and they pay their rent on time and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, this is easy money for this guy. Yes, it is. And if you get in there and you try to begrudge the guy the easy money, then when you have the hard problem where he's not making any money, I mean, that all kind of comes out in the wash. And so again, you want to be happy for other people's success. I think that's an important philosophy. You may not have that philosophy, but Robert and I are big believers in abundance. We're big believers in win-win. We just think that if people are on your side emotionally, uh, that you're going to end up getting a better result typically. Uh, and the thing is, you just don't want to begrudge somebody's success because the question is, is you know, the, the response to me, if somebody came to me and says, hey, you know what? You've got this tenant in there. He's never giving us any trouble. The rent just comes in like clockwork. And I would say, oh, I'm sorry. Would you prefer me to turn your property two or three times a year? Would you like to have problem tenants? Is that what you want? I can find you somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I did a great job and brought you a great tenant and great cash flow. And now you're coming trying to get in my pocketbook for doing what you hired me to do at the rate you hired me to do it. I mean, that just, to me, that makes no sense. If that person's that good, you want them to be happy. Absolutely. And not only that, you want to look for ways to help them in their endeavors, refer other great investors to them, let them get a good body of business. Not so they get so busy they can't help you, but if you've had the scalability discussion we talked about, then absolutely spread the word. That's one of the best ways you can help those folks is to bring them more business. Well, you know, sometimes you'll find somebody that is either fairly new or they're on their way up or whatever. And they're great. They're great to work with. They're honest. They're ethical. They communicate well, but they haven't quite reached that economy of scale where they can have an in-house team, where they have redundancy. You know, they have backups. They have some of the things you want to have. You can help them get to scalability by bringing them referrals. You know, you don't always have to pay somebody more to bring value to the relationship. One of my favorite ways to compensate somebody for doing a great job is to just give them referrals because it doesn't cost me anything to do it. And it provides tremendous financial value to the supplier, in this case, the property manager. It also provides tremendous value to the person you're referring. Right. If I don't know the first thing about property management in an area, but I like the area and you're an investor there and you refer me to someone that does a great job, that benefits. It's a win-win-win all the way around. Your manager is going to look at you in a great light. They're going to have more business from it. It's all going to work. But it is critical that you understand their business model and make sure it's a good referral. We know of a property manager that does primarily single family houses, but also has a couple of small apartment buildings. Generally, I would say those are two different folks, two different firms. But in this case, he's able to do it pretty well because he understands both spaces. You'd want to have that discussion. I'm guessing if you want a bunch of single family homes and you decide to buy an eightplex somewhere, you probably need a different property manager. Yeah, I think really the bottom line for all of this is to understand this is a people business. Your tenants are people. They're not widgets. Your property manager is a human being. He's not a widget. And so even though you're pushing numbers around and trying to create a financial result on your financial statement, which is great, these are human beings. And if you treat them like human beings, if you care about them like human beings, if you want to see them be successful, then some of their success will become part of your success and you can become successful together. So just don't ever forget that these people are, are, are human beings with dreams and goals and aspirations. And if you can help them achieve those goals, then they're going to be loyal to you 
probably, and you're going to have a brighter future together. Hey, before we're done today, we've got a couple of resources for you to learn more about property management. Make sure you get your head around this, especially if you're new to real estate investing. When we come back, we're going to play real estate trivia, give you a chance to win a great prize, which has something to do with property management. And you'll meet our guest today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flowing your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years could be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. For more information, qualified accredited investors should email coconuts at realestateguysradio.com. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. Email coconuts at realestateguysradio.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. For more information, email coconuts at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, everyone. This is Jim Rickers, the author of The New Case for Gold, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about the importance of property management. The right property manager can make or break your property, and uh, we've got a guest who knows a thing or two about that. He's been in the property management business many, many years. Please welcome our good friend and the Rich Dad Advisor for Real Estate, Mr. Ken McElroy. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Always good to see you. And you know, we're right in your wheelhouse, man. Property management, your door into uh, real estate was managing property. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, give us your quick background on property management, how you got in it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, I needed a free place to stay. <laughs> so I got that in exchange for running a building in downtown Seattle when I was in college and and uh, that's really when I started learning everything, honestly, collecting rent, you know, cleaning toilets, literally um, painting units and evicting people and renting to people. And, and um, I actually liked it, believe it or not. And I, 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 I had a nice career there in Seattle. Uh, we ended up, I ended up running uh, almost 20,000 units up and down the western U.S. Uh, for a big company uh, based out of Seattle. And, and uh, that kind of gave me my platform for being able to purchase them, you know, because I had seen a lot by that time after eight, nine years of, of running properties, I had seen a lot. It's like a mechanic knows which car to pick. You kind of figured out uh, how the apartment world yeah, works. Uh, yeah, I had managed small properties, big properties, new ones, properties all up and down from California, Oregon to Washington and different cities with different laws. And, you know, and you just learn a lot. You learn a lot about people, you learn a lot about things, and you learn a lot about occupancies and, you know, just everything it needs to, you know, because in, in, the, in the property management world, if, if you don't perform, you get fired. Right. 
So it gave me a great opportunity to learn, you know, all the little things that are necessary to, to I think, uh, help properties perform well. Well, and for many of our listeners, they are looking at maybe acquiring their first investment property. They've got a couple investment properties under their belt, and the things that can give them heartburn have to do with getting the right manager. Let's talk about some of the basics when it comes to finding a good property manager. What is someone really looking for? Well, I think they're looking for experience, first of all. And I I think a lot of times, you know, if you don't have, if you try to do it yourself, you really are going to run into just the, some of the basic mistakes, and, and there are several. And a lot of people don't really give property management the respect that I think it deserves. And so sometimes they go, well, how hard is it? I've heard this. How hard is it to collect rent? You know what I mean? <laughs> Says someone who never has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, and that's how, you know, that's how smart they are, right? So right. it's just so much to it. And and um, and so, so we look for experience and we look for people that can withhold the rules and be confrontational, but not too confrontational you know when they when they need the rent or or they need things done you know they're assertive um you know and and when they you know they can also project forward to see potentially things that are going wrong in the next 30 days 60 days and kind of anticipate you know because in property management it's you, you never look back it's always you know what's happening today and the next day and the next day and the next day and that's how you manage cash flow yeah which is critical obviously you lose control of the cash flow you lose control of the property especially if you have a mortgage involved and yet i think people do we were talking before the break about how it is the most important and least respected part of the whole equation right it's crazy and yet that is what delivers the return is, is good solid management what about the expectations if i'm an owner whether it's a single family house or apartment and I'm going to hand my, the keys to the car to somebody, what kind of things should I be able to expect from a good property yeah. manager? I think, you know, to go to the highest level, you should expect the return you wanted and no issues. Yeah. Honestly, you should expect a check every month with no issues. And, and you should have a statement with it that shows you, you know, how the money was spent or whatever. And so that is the ultimate. The ultimate is to not have the owners of the properties ever call the property management for any reason. Right. And the reason they call them almost always is because the tenant has reached out to them for something or they're not getting paid. You know, a lot of folks in our world think of you as the uh, big time syndicator. You and Ross go out and do these big deals and so forth. But the heart of making that work is you've got a great property management team and you've got both a corporate kind of mentality about management, but then each property that you guys run, you have a local team. How does that get administered and what do the people on the ground have to be good at? A lot of things. So, so we have about 250 people in our property management company. And basically the way we do it is we have a district manager that oversees a number of managers and then the managers oversee the staff. And so the key to everything is communication, in my opinion. So, so for example, one of the things I like the staff, the onsite manager to do is to have a daily meeting with the staff. Okay. Even if it's 15 minutes, just before they open, they sit down and say, okay, on the maintenance side, we got these eight or 10 units. We got these people moving in on, on the, you know, we have these kind of things that are still hanging out there on, on let's say, uh, maintenance requests from the day before. We have the landscaper doing this issue over here. On the leasing side, it might be, hey, we want to try to move these units today. We're going to, you know, we're going to do a, a discount on these, but not on these or, or whatever it might be on, yep. the, on the, you know, there's a, the team works together because if the leasing agents 
if they lease something that's not rent ready, it puts a stress on the whole system. And so there's a coordination of, of all of that, you know, and, and it has to do with delinquents and the vendors that come in, the residents, and there's resident parties, and there's all kinds of stuff that goes along with it. Right. Now, I know there's a lot of different schools of thought. There's certainly the school of thought in property management that, hey, we'll outsource everything, and that way we don't have to keep our crew busy. And then there's the other side is, no, we want to have an in-house crew so we can respond quickly. How do you guys deal with that equation? Yeah, I think, I believe that you got to go to the resident. And you got to look at them. So people try to fit, you know, they, they forget that they're the people that pay everybody. Right. So the, the resident has to be handled quickly. So most issues, uh, you know, vacant unit, you've got some lag there, perhaps if it's not rented. Yep. If you're in a really, really tight market, you have no lag, though. Right. If you if you're in a soft market, you might have a week or two to turn a unit. But most of the time we try to turn them in one or two days. But it basically boils down to the tenant. And I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of people do is once people move in, they forget about them and they focus on the vacancies. And so really, if they focused on the residents that live there, then they would create a more of a retention platform for them and they would stay longer. That, you know, it's almost like, you know, like when you have a bunch of clients or a bunch of business in any business, a lot of times people forget how valuable they are and they're always chasing new business. Right. It's the exact same thing in, 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 a, in a rental business. Are you so busy acquiring a new client that you're not taking care of your current client? That's right. And so, so for me, if somebody um, has an issue in a unit, it's a big issue. It has to be handled immediately, yeah. period. So whatever that takes. So if that's in-house or it's not, you just have to weigh that. And because if, if, you're, if somebody calls you with an issue, and it could be you know, a neighbor, it could be anything. If it's not handled, that's part of resident retention. They're like, okay, these guys, this owner is you know, not very responsive. We're gonna move somewhere else, right? It could be, it could be a dog, it could be a kid, it could be a, a maintenance issue, it could be whatever. So uh, I think it all goes back to the residents that live there and pay you. And they're the ones that, you don't have to kiss their butt, but you have to be responsive to them on, on their needs. And then what'll happen is you'll build a relationship with them and they'll renew. And that's what you want. Because it's a lot easier to renew somebody who's living in your place than it is to clean it, turn it, put new carpet in, do the maintenance, put an ad in the paper, and then rent it and pay a commission to a realtor. A lot easier just to go build a relationship with the people that are there. Absolutely. And that's a great key. You know, the most two most expensive things we have in buy and hold real estate, turnover and vacancy, and someone staying in the unit eliminates both. So what are some of the things that you've learned over the years about client retention? Obviously, it depends on the market. And this is a great thing. Take good care of the client. Sometimes the market is soft there's ways you can retain clients. Sometimes the market is red hot, but just from a philosophy point of view, how do you make sure that you get a tenant to stay as long as possible in the unit? Well, we have a lot of things that we do. Uh, one of the things that we do is we have a uh, what we call a touch system. Every single month, somebody has to reach out to every resident that we have. Doesn't matter how. Okay. So it could be through maintenance, it could be through a party we're having, it could be something that we give them, it doesn't really matter, um, we have that. But then we also go way back to, we, we start to build a whole program around resident retention that could start six months before. So it could be something we send them, hey, your lease is gonna be up in six months, 
you know, or hey, it's going to be up in three months, you, you know, and you start to build a communication with them way in advance. Yeah. And most people don't do that. So it's just communication. And I think what happens is the kind of the, the excuse that you hear mostly is, oh, well, you know, they moved out to buy a house. So it's, it's never, oh, they didn't like the manager or, you know, <laughs> no, no. something happened. That you never know. happens. Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that we did is we, we actually hired a relationship manager here at our company. And her entire job is to call and email all our move-ins, every single one. Wow. And it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but she has an incredible job because, and she used to be a property manager, and so she understands. Uh, but if, if the people move in, let's say, and they're unhappy with the move-in process, we get told. If, you know, if they move in and they're really happy, we get told. And so we're handling, all, you know, everything. We're hoping to handle everything, but we're also a voice for all the residents that can call the corporate office at any time. And so the way we position it with our staff, because a lot of staff is there, in some cases, they're a little intimidated by that. Right. It's like they feel like they're a, being a watched. Guess who's going to go over their head? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. And they are, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so just to, you know, just to be clear. Just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, yes, next. Yeah. So, but the truth is, is when you have 250 people, and you're trying to move them all one direction. The honest, everybody has a bad day. Sometimes they come in, and sometimes they're not the nicest, and sometimes they're not handling things, and sometimes they have other things going on in their lives. And and we do need that secondary gap because uh, uh, you know the the attitude of the manager can be the difference in significant occupancy. You know, uh, based on how they're running their staff, it'll show up in turnover. It'll show up in resident turnover. It'll show up in staff turnover. It'll show up in vendor payments and all those kinds of things. So you, you really do have to uh, run these things pretty tight. You have to visit them every week. You know, you have to have uh, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts every single week. Uh, every single project. Well, like any business, it's competitive. And you're not going to pretend for a minute that these potential tenants aren't looking somewhere else, right? So you got to get their attention when they walk in the door. But then the minute they move in, you got to make sure you're reinforcing that so they stay longer. That's right. And and they'll they'll stay at a place that's maintained and they'll stay at a place that's communicating and well-run and the management's professional and all that stuff. And my, my experience is that most people, you can't really stop people from moving for buying a home, let's say, or, or maybe they got a relocation of a job or maybe they got divorced or whatever that might be. But I think that you can retain a lot of people a lot of the time. And, um, you know, we shoot for a 50 to 60% retention rate and um, depending on the market. But, um, you know, in some markets we get it, in some markets we don't get it. But it just completely depends. You know, at the beginning of the year we had you on the show and we talked about looking at this year, 2017, that, you know, it's not, it's a competitive time. This isn't the year that you guys are looking at acquiring a lot of assets, but it is a time to kind of hunker down and focus on your tenant and the reason that you have the income you do. If someone is looking at making a change in property management, let's talk about how that process looks like. You know, you buy a, a small apartment building and it's not working. And to your point, if you don't do a good job as a manager, you get fired, but it's always the existing manager's fault, but you've got that whole transition period. Do you guys take over projects anymore? And if, what does that look like in that transition? Yeah, we haven't done that in a long time, but I've done it a lot. Usually what happens is uh, the management companies are out chasing accounts 
But the property rises and falls based on the staff that's there. Yeah. Period. It doesn't matter the name of the management company. You know, in most cases, if you've got a really, really good manager at the property and you, they're being managed well and they're communicating well, um, it doesn't really matter. So, but we've taken over lots and lots of properties over the years, and almost all of them have come to us because of you know what we talked about in the beginning, which was the owners weren't getting their checks, and. So what happens, though, is when you take over a property that's been run poorly, it usually takes a time to unwind all that mess. Sure. And so it can actually get worse in, you know, three, four, even six months, depending on the size. Well, we've watched you guys do this a bunch of times. That's, that's an attraction sometimes to you when you see a property that's been managed into the ground. But it's not like you walk in on day one and instantly it's better. Right. Well, we had a property in San Antonio. It was a big one, 680 units. There were 350 vacants wow. when we bought it. And then in the next four months, there were there was a hundred more. Yeah. yeah. So we had yeah. four. Imagine that we had four hundred fifty vacant units at a property at one time. But truly, if you have the right team and you turn those units and you're renting, you know, uh, to, to to good people, that's another big key. Obviously, is putting a good tenant in there and um, somebody who does pay, right? Because right. that, that's what they said they would do, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually one of the most important things, yeah. right? It's that ounce of prevention yeah. by getting the right person in. I know you guys do a lot when it comes to screening and all that. That may vary by jurisdiction, too. But um, what are some of the, the keys there to making sure you do get that right person? Yeah, well, so we, we run a criminal credit background check on every person. And then we also run a sex offender check on every person. So... It's pretty black and white. I mean, people come in and they have terrible credit and they've been, let's say, evicted multiple times. We probably would pass on that kind of a person, yeah. right? But by law, we can we not have a felon move in and we cannot have a, a sex offender move in. Yeah. And we can set guidelines on, on you know, what we want. And my experience has been, this is very interesting, um, but my experience has been the minute that you actually hand the application to the person across the desk. And let's say they have all that stuff going on. You don't even, they don't even tell you, of course. They won't come back. They'll just go to the next one. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, too many times the, I've seen it, they'll come in with cash, you know, three or four grand, and they'll say, hey, you know, we're, um, you, know, we, you know, we just wanna pay first and last right now, and we need a place by the weekend. And sometimes they move them in. Right. And, um, you know, and that might be the last time they ever see it. Or if they take it in a check, that's even worse because, right. they, you know, that I've seen that happen. You know, they'll pay them a couple grand in a check. They'll move in and then that check will bounce. And then, you know, it costs them a lot of money to, you know, try to move them back out. And there's certain states that are really, really, really tough. Like California is right. really, really, really tough. Notice you guys don't have too much in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just because of the landlord-tenant laws, but... You're right. It's, uh, you know, we're primarily, Arizona and Texas are pretty landlord uh, friendly. You know, they're tenant friendly too, which is a good thing, I think. But, but they're, um, you know, if somebody doesn't pay their rent, you, you should be able to 
get them out and 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 turn it and move on right but uh there's some states that are a lot harder than others well absolutely and your staff needs to know the law so how do you train the folks who are on the ground dealing with the tenants about when there's changes or any of that and not only from the law point of view but the market point of view yeah well we have a whole education company you know it's called mc education that and we have um classes and certifications and different things for from maintenance to leasing to accounting and all that so we have a you know that's a long complicated system and and yep. and and project that we have but every single person goes through it you know it's just come from years and years and years of experience but also we're very active at the local levels with the apartment associations and the and the national levels too and there's a you know there's a lot of education out there and um we we push that really really hard yeah absolutely and you know when you increase your portfolio and you go from single family houses to small apartments to ultimately you're in the larger stuff like you guys are a couple hundred units the lender's going to require you have a good third-party management in place and they're going to vet that person as well so at some point it becomes self-evident but when you're just starting out and you think well i could save eight percent or ten percent by running it myself that could be a recipe for disaster. It could be. You, you know, it's there's. I don't want to make it sound incredibly complicated. I mean, truly, if you have the time, and really, truly have the time, if it's not really just about saving the money, right? If it's about the time, and you really can show up, you can learn a lot. You know, oh, yeah. you can you can find people to help you through the process, and you can manage your own properties. But if you're, you know, I heard this the other day, if, you know, a woman that lives in Chicago and she's trying to run, you know, a bunch of condos that she bought out here and, you know, she's flying back and forth and she doesn't want to pay a realtor to help and she doesn't want to pay a property management to help. Well, you know, there's, that's just a recipe for problems, you know, and, and uh, I mean, she, she, it's a woman, she can only be out here, you know, every so often, right. costs her to come out here. She has to rent a car. She has to get a hotel you know, and not everybody's home. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a boots on the ground business. And if you can find somebody to manage that for a hundred bucks a month, it's well worth it because you can just pick up the phone and then you can focus on other things. But if you have the time, you know, it's, it's not a bad business to learn. Well, it is a great learning curve. In fact, I've often said that absent any reason otherwise, like full-time job or anything, just running a couple of rental units for a year or so, you're gonna learn most of the game by doing that and probably decide it makes sense to bring someone in to do it for you, right? Or as I like to say, life is actually too short to manage property. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but somebody has to do it and you do a great job. Thanks for your insight today and it's always good to uh, catch up with you, my friend. Yes, love being on the show. Thank you, guys. There's Kenny McElroy. More when we come back and a chance to win one of Ken's books on Real Estate Trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. This portion of the Real Estate Guys radio program is brought to you by International Coffee Farms, where you can own a parcel of land in your very own specialty coffee farm in Panama for as little as $15,000. Here's how it works. Deeded half-acre parcels entitled Specialty Coffee Farms in Boquete, Panama are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts. Sustainable average income is estimated at 12% and cash flow can begin within 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm is committed to a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the Panamanian coffee farm workers and their families. 
International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates nine specialty coffee farms with half-acre parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a coffee farm owner in Paquete, Panama, email coffee at realestateguysradio.com. That's coffee at realestateguysradio.com. Stop for a moment. Why are you listening to this show? Are you dreaming of a bigger, brighter financial future? More personal freedom to live life on your own terms? What if there was just one skill that could make it happen? There is. Sales. Robert Kiyosaki says every entrepreneur must be good at sales. It's true for investors, too. Sales is how you attract money, people, and opportunities. Sales is the skill used to negotiate deals and lead your team. Sales skills are essential to success. The good news is, it's a learnable skill. The great news is, we've created a two-day interactive workshop to teach those skills to you. Make plans today to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People, Mastering the Art of Financial Selling. For dates and details, send an email to sales at realestateguysradio.com or visit realestateguysradio.com and look under events. Gain the skills you need to succeed. Email sales at realestateguysradio.com or look under the events tab at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're glad you've tuned in this week, no matter how you've done that. We've got an important topic, property management. Who's going to operate the property you buy to ensure the returns you're after? It's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. Just a minute, I'm going to ask you a trivia question that has to do with a famous landlord. As soon as you know the answer, all you have to do is send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address, because if you're the winner, we're going to get you a copy of the ABCs of Property Management, a great book by Rich Dad Advisor Ken McElroy. Talks all about property management, and it's worth the read. That could be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we talked about the path of progress, and we had Randall O'Toole on the show. We asked this, the USA's largest collection of funeral service artifacts is housed in the National Museum of Funeral History. Where is it located? The answer, Houston, Texas. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Name the landlord on the TV series Friends. You remember Friends, those six friends who uh, lived and played and laughed together and all that stuff. Anyways, a very popular television show that started in the mid-90s. They had a landlord. What was his name? The character's name. If you know or you want to take a guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address so we can send you a copy of The ABCs of Property Management by Ken McElroy. That's today's real estate trivia question. Thanks for tuning into the show. Tell a friend about the real estate guys and tell a friend about the amazing Kenny McElroy. Yeah. You know, I always like hanging out with Kenny because Kenny has so much street smarts and practical, no BS wisdom. Yes, you know, he he's just a guy that's been there, done that, and he just says it how it is. And it's great. Uh, but the other thing I love about him is he's always looking to learn. You know, we got a chance to talk a little bit off mic, and he was just talking about how he's really been studying social media. And the last time we had him on the show, he was talking about how his company had really gone out and begun to study the use of social media as a way to be better and more efficient in their marketing of their units. I 
brought that up previously. That's, I think, what you need to be doing. I think, you know, in any business, even a business that is kind of tried and true and plain Jane bread and butter the way real estate investing is, especially at the residential level, even though it's a basic business and easy to understand, technology is also making a difference there. And not just technology, but there's always staying up to date on you know, legal trends and how the, the state of the practice and demographic trends and what people are looking for. Uh, there's so many factors that go into being great at whatever you choose to do. And when it comes to somebody who just really puts a lot of effort into honing his craft and being well-connected, being curious... Uh, it's Ken McElroy. The guy's just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, seat in the saddle for a long, long time. Understands the property management business, the insides and outs. So a great resource for additional study would be his great book. If you didn't win it this week, go out and get the ABCs of property management. Really is a primer. If you're brand new to real estate investing, I would uh, start there. A couple of things to be aware of when you hire a manager. Laws are different from state to state and different states have requirements. In most states, you must be a licensed real estate broker to own and operate a a property management business doesn't mean that everybody who purports to be a property manager is actually licensed so that's an easy thing to check you also want to know at what number of doors do i need an on-site residential property manager because that can vary greatly in the state of california for instance when you have 16 units or more you need to have an on-site residential manager someone who lives in the property now their scope of work is a little bit up to you. They don't necessarily have to be the property management company. In many cases, like in Ken's case, his company has their headquarters where a lot of his upper level management are. And then at each of their properties throughout the United States, they have a team that actually does the day-to-day the -day management on the ground. And so that kind of an arrangement gives him the kind of corporate level view, but also the real boots on the ground. When you're looking to hire a manager, you just want to make sure that they're licensed, that they're going to live on site, that you understand that. With an on-site manager, you're generally going to give them some sort of rent concession. As Kenny joked about, yeah, I got free rent. I was the same way. I was an on-site residential property manager for five years at an apartment building where I got my rent in exchange for being the manager. I started as the assistant manager, worked my way up to the manager, but that's a cost that my owners had to bear. They had to say, well, we've got a unit for the manager. We've got a unit for the assistant manager. Those had to come off the top in terms of income, but it made sense because they paid me a lot less than they would have if I didn't live on site. Yeah. And of course the customers, the tenants got better service because somebody was actually there on site. You know, one thing to think about also is this, especially if you're going to be an out of area landlord when you're in a different state, uh, is understanding that you're going to need a real estate attorney who knows the local law. And the other thing to think about, and most people don't think about this, is have your insurance attorney review your liability as a property owner in the state with respect to your property manager. Because uh, we had an insurance attorney do a show with us a couple years back, actually, and brought up this notion that when the property manager has employees, staff people that are doing maintenance or whatever, that you potentially have a liability as an employer, even though you're employing them through your agent, the property manager. And so you want to make sure your insurance policies accurately protect you from the liabilities that you have when you are running on staff people at a particular facility. Hey, another great resource to consider in our reports section of our website is Terry's Tips for Happy Tenants by our good friend Terry Kerr. Terry is also a great property manager, has lots 
lots and lots of units in Memphis, Tennessee. He's got a great report for you with some really cool ideas, things we didn't get to today. So to get a copy of that, all I have to do is send an email to happy at realestateguysradio.com. The report's called Terry's Tips for Happy Tenants. So happy at realestateguysradio.com. You know, if you've heard the show for any period of time, you've heard me say that when you buy a property, you're not as interested in the tenant in the property as the line of tenants waiting to rent that property. And that's true. But the misconception of that mindset is that, ah, oh, there's so many tenants. I, I picked such a good property, such a good market. There's so many tenants. Buy in a place where there's lots of tenants who would be interested, but treat every tenant as if they were gold. Because at the end of the day, with the help from the property manager, they are. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Big thanks to Ken McElroy for sharing his wisdom and his time with us. And until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at BeYourBank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct. Asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.